Hey, it's good to uh, see everybody on a rainy day. Does there anyone have a favorite thing to do on a rainy day? Sleep. Sleep, yeah. Watch golf. Read by a window. Read by a window. Like pillows and whatnot. What if you could read in a window? No, that's all you can hear. All right. Um, well, I'm going to uh, ask the Lord to bless our uh, time, uh, just short time together, and uh, we'll, we'll jump into some discussion. Uh, Father, we thank you uh, for the rain. Uh, lots of people need it. Uh, Father, I thank you for uh, just allowing us to come out and uh, to gather today. Uh, Father, I pray that you would help us make the best use of uh, this time as we gather for fellowship, get to know one another, share a meal together, um, and just be thankful for all the, th- the good things in our lives. Um, today, as we discuss our, our topic and look at your word, Father, I pray that we would uh, be open and honest um, with one another. Uh, Lord, that we would uh, leave here encouraged and reminded about our identity in you, but also encouraged and reminded um, of who we are and what you've called us to do. Lord, that it can be done and that we can do it um, as a community. And so, Father, we ask that you would bless our conversation uh, and, Lord, help us uh, speak one to another uh, for the edification of uh, your body. In Christ's name, amen. Um, so our, uh, so our short discussion uh, today is going to uh, talk about this idea of uh, being good at what matters. So in, um, in kind of current culture in general, but specifically uh, Christian culture, I don't know about you, but so much of the teaching that I've heard revolves around um, things that I'm not uh, quite sure how to do. Uh, or it's talking about uh, stopping me from doing things that I ought not do, but a lot of times we're not talking kind of at the experiential level about what it is that I should be doing, right? And are those things um, able to be done? And so, um, and so the topic today would be to be encouraged that I know what it means, right, to... Uh, to live uh, a life that is pleasing to God instead of simply just seeking to manage my sin. Yes? So if any of you have had, uh, have had a job, is, uh, many of us have, uh, or I have, I will speak for myself, I have had a mindset at a job where I literally am just kind of trying to lay low, try trying to stay off radar, right? And then just do just the minimum not to get fired. Anybody had this mentality at a job before? Yes, yes, okay. But would anyone think that the owner of that company or the boss is happy with that level of kind of engagement in what you're doing? No, right? So there's this disconnect between kind of what the boss wants, right, and what we, uh, and what we do. And so the first question I want you guys to, um, to kick around as we start, uh, as we start uh, uh, chit-chatting is, what, do you, what does it mean to live for God each day? And so I want you to think about both like what, what you think the answer to this is, but also like in the way that people live, how do they answer that question? Is it closer to what the boss wants or is it closer to what kind of not to get kicked off the team? Like what's the minimum amount of practices that I need to go to to like be able to play in the game on Friday? Right? So kick that around. What does it mean to live for God every day? What are some variety of answers there? All right. So, uh, so what, what is the variety of answers uh, that we have? Let's hear from maybe uh, two or three people. Yeah, Darian. Um, surrender, surrender your life to God. 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 Surrender your life to
surrendering your own agenda for God's. Okay. So um, surrendering my own agenda for God's. Awesome answer. What else do you think people, uh, how else other people answer this? Yeah, James. Okay, to approach the life just with God in mind. Okay, is that what you said? Okay, all right. So I'm trying to like, hey, I've got this stuff in mind. Let me just see how, I, see how it goes for sure. What else? How else do people uh, think about this question? What um, if, as it relates to the kind of Jameson's answers to Daniel's answer, do we care if it can be done or not? Like, does it matter if our conception of what God, uh, just kind of throwing this out there, does it matter if our that of the conception that we have of what God wants from my life, um, that I think it can be done, does that matter? Meaning, does it matter to us if whether or not we pursue that or not? Okay? Why so? Uh, I think it matters because you're not going to want to do anything if you don't feel like you can do it. Okay. Agreed? All right, so... Lindell said that it matters uh, what this conception is because if we don't think we can do it, right, we won't do it. All right, so then we come up with kind of this idea here of what we, so each of us answers this question, I hope, right, the previous question. I think all of us have some conception of what we think that means, right? So we have something alongside Darian's answer. If, if grandma asks us or if we're like, what's the answer to the test, that's what we write, okay? But we're going to write, we write the answer right to that question every day as we step out of our houses and as we engage in what we engage in. Yes? So then we come up, come against this question. What is life about over and against what I think it is about? Okay? So if I don't have this hard and fast rule of what this looks like, then I'm faced with like, well, what, what then do I do? What is life about over and against what I think it is about? So, um, so then I want you to uh, just take another minute to kick that around the table about like what's the, uh, that why do you think that there's a disconnect here between kind of the right answer and what is actually happening? All right. All right, so uh, table over here, what, did, uh, what, was, what were y'all's thoughts about this question? John, why don't you say what Carissa said? <laughs> well, we were saying that we think life is about ourselves. We yep. Direct opposition right. Okay. So anybody want to elaborate on that? So as we... Uh, seek to remind ourselves that life is not about us, right? Um, that we, we are stuck in this space of here's what, um, here's what life is, uh, here's what I think it is about, but here's actually what I do. Who else would elaborate on kind of the, the issues that come up with, um, with living for God? Yeah, Jack. So I, we talk about the over part of that question ties back to the first question of living for God every day. Whether it's fear, doubt, lack of courage that we have in our own 
wall. Yep, absolutely. Excellent answer. Uh, if you'll turn with me real quick to First uh, uh, John, and I just want to look at two quick verses here, and we'll um, and we'll uh, start unpacking a little bit, um, a couple other things. So as it relates to the Christian life, we've got to push against as hard as we possibly can this notion of all God wants for me is to try to not sin real bad. Okay? That is the general conception that is in culture, uh, that, is far too, uh, that is far too prevalent in the church. And what happens when my, the top level of what kind of uh, I'm aiming for is to not do terribly. <laughs> what do we actually hit? Huh? Eh. Eh. Exactly. We hit what we aim for. So over and over again, right, then we have this challenge for is like, so is that all that, uh, is that, all that God has for me? Because I anticipate that everyone that comes, right, or has that conception struggles with liking that conception. Like, it's fine with me, but like nothing's actually getting done at the company that everyone's kind of keeping their head down and trying to stay off the radar of the boss. Is that, is that company uh, probably doing pretty well? No. And so do we, uh, as we think about what life is about, have we ever asked the question, do we want God's kingdom to do well? Now, we would say, in the, in, we would answer that question, and well, sure, but if I have to answer that question by my life, I'm answering no over and over and over again. I don't care. Somebody else is doing it. And so what I want to give you just in a short time, and this is kind of cracking this door open, is that for the church for the longest time, it's not had what I'd call a good theology of uh, works of what God actually calls us to. We have a good theology of what he doesn't call us to, <laughs> right? Definitely don't do that, right? But in the absence of trying not to definitely do that, we're not actually doing anything. Would you say that's fair? Yeah? So, so I want to look at uh, this one verse. He says, First uh, John, and he's talking about why he's writing this letter right to the churches. And he says, my little children, he being the spiritual parent, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And it sounds really simple, right? But, but in translating that, he says, I, I want, I'm writing this to you, my children, so that you won't miss the mark. Right? The mark is the thing he actually wants you to do. It's the good works that he's created uh, you for. I came across this idea from Andrew Murray uh, last night when I was just kind of uh, working through some of this stuff on my own. Um, and it's, and uh, he has this uh, really helpful saying, I thought this one might be helpful for you. It has been said of the Christian life that the natural man must uh, first become spiritual. And then again, the spiritual man must become natural. So what he's saying is there should be a differentiation between, right, what we look like before Christ, right, and what we look like after Christ, that there is a natural way that this world works and it is sinful, right? It is missing the mark of what God uh, has designed it to do and to be. Right, but he says, but, but that's, a, that's a, a, 
an idea that we need to embrace and to work towards uh, having front and center in our, in our minds. Because whatever, whatever our theology is, if it allows us to continue being a natural man and for God to be okay with that and for his kingdom to not be kind of winning, right, then that idea is bad. Amen? And so I think that a lot of this is because we just have not like, and, we, and, and I parent like this often, I'm telling my children constantly, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. Right? I'm constantly getting in them when it's too late instead of getting in front of them and saying, uh, McClendon, Hollis, Anna James, this is how the Nichols live. This is the things that we're about. This is the things that we are aiming to do, not just not do. That we want to be defined by the things that we are striving for and not the things that we judge. Yes? Wouldn't this be a better way to live? I thought the same. And so I am ashamed of the ways that I have not fought for this in my own life, right? But the but only thing we can do moving forward is to fight for this for each other. So this is, this is not a, hey, you know this. I'm saying actually the church doesn't know this. That the church is ignorant, right, of how to do the things that God wants it to do. So the second part I think is really important because as the natural man, right, must first become spiritual, that he must understand that he is different now and about different things, then that idea needs then to become normal, is what he's saying. That the spiritual man must become the natural man, or the, the spiritual person, the spiritual uh, idea that God puts before us about what his people should be about, right, then becomes the most normal thing there is. Because as I, right, work to avoid and then just kind of blend in uh, with the culture, hoping that they will see me not as what I'm for, but what I'm, uh, but what, but, uh, but that I'm not doing that bad of stuff. Then that's not a way, a good way to be defined. He goes on, as the whole natural life becomes truly spiritual, all our work will partake of the nature of fruit, the outgrowth of the life of God within us. And as the spiritual again becomes perfectly natural to us, a second nature in which we are wholly at home, all the fruit will bear the mark of true work, calling in to exercise every faculty of our being. And so he's describing what it would look like if we were to understand that we've got to normalize, right, the spiritual life. That we've got to normalize being about God's kingdom and not for my own. Because right now, I, and imagine you're just trying to fit it in and what you're finding is there's no more time left. And I know this because... That's what I try to do sometimes. And I'm frustrated with myself, not about God's teaching, but with me. Because I really don't know what I'm doing. And so this morning, I just want to, again, creak that door open. So we're going to look at basically one idea, but then we're going to um, try to see if we can move that one idea to kind of experiential. And then we'll, we'll get on with our naps. All right, so if you'll turn with me to Genesis 2, 1 through 3. I want to define um, good work for you as, this, as that which brings life and order, okay? So I want to define uh, good work for you, right, as that which brings life and order, okay? 
So in Genesis 2, 1 through 3, so this is at the end of the first narrative of creation. Chapter 2 goes on and gives us a, a zoomed-in view of uh, the creation of man and woman and their relationship and uh, some things that God tells them to do. But I just want to zoom in on this part. That thus the heavens and the earth were completed and all their hosts. By the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. And then God blessed that seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. So he said this idea of work, right, several times. So this is the, that uh, life as he's created it currently at this point is out as he designed it. And so work is part of God's design. Right, the issue is, is that the work that we do doesn't bear the fruit that he wants. Yes? We work for all sorts of things, but a lot of times we don't include his work, right? And we don't know whether or not it's his work because we don't understand like what, what comes from the work that he wants us to do. And so thinking about what is existing is it says that God completed his work. What was the work that God was doing? Think about what, what the universe was made of. It was just him and nothing. And so what did he bring? What did God's work bring? And I'm going to uh, make an argument for that it actually, he never stops bringing this. All right, it's order and it's life. There wasn't life and God made it. There wasn't and he, then he ordered that life. Yes? Do most of us struggle, right, with then the things that we do? This doesn't seem very life-giving <laughs> or life-sustaining or life-enjoying. Yes? Think about all the things that you do. Would you describe most of them in that way? Yes? No, you can shake your head. You can. What about the things that we do? Do they bring order to life? We're really just kind of following along what's happening. We kind of jump in a river that's already flowing. And yet, if we would think about it, that what does this world need? It needs a kingdom that's going to bring life, and it's going to bring order. Does that make sense? Because so many times we say these words, we don't know what they mean. God's kingdom is rule. His rule brings life, and it brings order. So looking back at 1 John again, 2.6, I'm a fairly basic guy. I need basic statements, and this is a really good basic statement. So it's talking about the life found in God and what he wants us to do, not avoiding the bad. So if you, anybody ever heard of the two terms commission and omission, right? That it's, uh, it's kind of an archaic word, but it's this idea of that we want to uh, we want to avoid, right, sins of commission and sins of omission. Right, things that are sins of commission are things that we know that we shouldn't do, right? Avoid doing bad things. Yes? So this other idea, this idea of omission, right, is this is us not doing the good things, right? It is omitting, right, to not do. What, what John is encouraging us here is that as we name the name of Christ, as we look to learn to do the things that he calls us to do, 
that we need to simply just do, right, what he's asked us to do and to do the same things that he has asked us to do. So I'm going to take you through a series of um, statements about this idea, and I just want you to listen, and then we're going to look at a couple of, uh, and I'm going to sign you a couple of uh, verses real quick to just uh, to think about um, some of this idea. So in John uh, 4.34, thinking about walking in the same manner that Jesus walked, in John 4.34, Uh, 434 Jesus says this he said to them my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work so in a statement about kind of what life is about he says my food is to do his will what sustains me is to do what God wants me to do and that is for the purpose that he sent me and to accomplish his work So this is a really cool realization that Jesus is actually not doing anything new. That he's not creating new activities. He simply is just doing what God has been doing from the beginning, which is bringing life, right? That which is true life and order to that life and how it should be lived. In John 5, 17, he says, and he answered them, my father is working con- until now and I myself am working. Meaning he's saying that the father, what he meant to bring before and what he did bring before, he still brings. And I have just joined him in this work. John 5, 17, my father is working and I myself am working. In John 17, 4, He says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work you have given me to do. And so this is one of the most interesting. Um, If you're unfamiliar with this section, John 17, this is the high priestly prayer. He has not gone to the cross yet. He's talking about that there is work, right, that Jesus has been doing that actually is done. And the work that he has been done is basically training the disciples to bring life and to bring order. So I want to uh, spin us one more place as we, as we uh, get close to the end here, is uh, Ephesians uh, 2, verse 10. Ephesians 2, 10. And he makes the statement, he says, um, for we are God's workmanship. And so this is instructional. I think so many times when we sit down, I know when our children aren't doing well, and we, we, we try to instruct them on the back end. Any, any uh, son or daughter in here love when your parents do that, when they instruct you on the back end? And I'm not talking paddling <laughs> or specky. I mean that they expect you to know, and then when you do good, they sit there and like, they go into what they should have taught you before, and they go into what we call lecture mode. I don't know what it is. When you get kids, you, you will do this naturally because we are lazy and that we don't want to instruct on the front end. 
And I think that we are conditioned to hear God that way. That we are conditioned to hear God constantly fussing at us on the back end. Amen? Because that's what our parents do to us. They don't do on the front end. Here, Paul is instructing, when he's calling you workmanship, he's not reminding you of what you are, he's telling you what you are. He is taking time to remind you on the front end. This is not scolding, this is instruction. How many of you need way more instruction than you think you do? We want to be like, oh, I know that, but I really don't. Because if I knew it, I'd be doing it. And I need reminding when I just have the lapses. But if I'm generally not doing it, I need instruction. Anybody, you ever run across somebody that was doing something like wrong? (laughs) Is it because they know how to do the right thing and they just love doing it wrong? Or is it because they don't know how to do it? First or second? Second. So I need you to give yourself more grace. Most of the things that you think you should know how to do, you have no idea how to do. This has to be the case for me. But once I do know, I've got to give good effort to doing the thing that God calls me to do. And so today, I want you to hear this, not scolding. I'm not reminding you of who you are. I'm telling you who you are. That... That Paul is reminding himself that we are God's workmanship. Matthew, Dylan, Jameson, you are God's workmanship. Like you may have heard that before, but I want you to internalize it, right, and accept it today. Ashton, Eva, Megan, Ben, you are God's workmanship. That should excite us, that God wants to work in me, to show me how to work with Him. That I was created in Christ Jesus for the purpose of good works. Not to just feel bad about continually doing the stuff I ought not do. That is probably the overwhelming emotion that you have as a Christian. (laughs) Is to feel bad about the things that I ought not be doing. Because we're forgetting, right, that God has called us to do other things, that he has called us to put sin away so that we can do the things that he has purposed to do. Somebody read the rest of that in encouragement. What's the rest of Ephesians 2.10 say? For creating Christ Jesus for good works, That he appeared in advance for us to do. So the insinuation, right, is that he has been doing these things, right, and he just wants you to join him in doing these things. They're not new things. See, here's a couple scriptures, um, and then we'll end with uh, a couple um, statements. So table over here, I want you to grab Second uh, Thessalonians three thirteen. It's on the. It's on the board. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary of doing good. Here's what I want you to talk about with each of these, okay? What is it that I'm not understanding to be able to obey that command? All right, so basically you're coming up with a question. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary of doing good. What is the thing that you don't understand that would enable you to keep that command? Okay, table right here. Galatians 6, 9. 
Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. Same question. What is it about this command, what question do you have about this command that keeps you from being able to do it? All right, so that same question. All right, back table back here. 1 Corinthians 6.18, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. So each of these things, again, it's assuming that we know what the good works are. So we're going to make sure before we leave here that we have that good idea. All right? So that table, what is it that you don't understand that will enable you to do that? All right? 1 Timothy 6.18, got it? All right? You got yours? Galatians 6.9? Got yours? 2 Thessalonians? All right. All right, Hebrews 3, uh, 13, 16, middle table in the back. Do not neglect doing good and sharing with which, with, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. That's y'all's verse, Hebrews 13, 16. All right, and lastly, over here, do not be, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good, Romans 12, 21. All right, so just take uh, three or four minutes, and then we'll debrief that, and then we'll close. All right, so what's the, so here's y'all's verse. What's the question that you need answered to be able to do that? We kind of talked about how do you, you know, consistently do good and then just not get tired. Like, how do you rest in trying to constantly do good? Because sometimes we don't get into it. Sometimes it's, like, it doesn't make you feel good. You know, usually doing good is, like, not what you want to do. So. Okay. So, great question. So, how do I um, understand? the the doing good right as but able to like rest enough to sustain that goodness okay very helpful so um so as we uh push into each of these things i think as we finish up that we'll be able to answer that question but the idea right is that as i do the good that i can do not the good that that could be done right do you understand the difference of doing what i can do versus what possibly could be done that we need to have a good conception of of just basically um, start by doing what I can do and not being overwhelmed by what needs to be done so but we'll come back uh, to that all right so second question uh, Galatians 6 9 what's y'all's question Okay, so Matthew is saying, how do we, uh, how do we remain patient when we're not seeing uh, the immediate results? So they'll think the Lord has been encouraging me to look for what I might call micro fruit, right? Anybody have you uh, grown anything of consequence or watched a time-lapse video of something growing? <laughs> right, definitely one or the other. Right, so what a lot of times if I go out and I just kind of look over the fence and see if, right, that they're like the stalk, or I'm growing some corn, it's like coming out of the ground. You're like, oh, I can see that, it's big. But if we look at something like, have you ever watched, talk about something like a berry, right, how long it takes. I mean, like the end result is something that's this small. But there's lots and lots and lots of stuff happening, right? And so I think... Uh, the, the big piece for us is to be crystal clear about our work, what our work is. Because if we are waiting for fruit to be born by the work that we do, 
right? If I don't know what I'm looking for, I'm going to be very, very, very impatient. And would you say that a lot of times we don't actually know what we're looking for? When we do the work, like what should result from the thing that I'm doing? I think more often than we like to think that we don't. <clears throat> but the weariness, right, is going to be like, hey, this yields results. And so we're looking, for, uh, we're looking for any kind of movement. And so I think that that is something that we need to define well. So, for instance, in a lot of conversation I have, as I have this with some of you guys, certain things you say, I know that God is doing something in, the, in how you react, in how you uh, respond to that question and how you think about it and how you're ready, right? How you have questions that God is doing things, right? That things are moving, that things are changing. We need to be acutely aware of those things. All right, a couple more. All right, here's the, here's the verse. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. What's y'all's question? Okay. Um, all right, well, well, that will be subsumed under, uh, under another one. So how do I be generous, right? So this would be, uh, I have then found the ability to do the thing. If I don't, um, uh, any of you uh, bakers in here? I know Ashton bakes, anybody else bakes? Carissa, okay. Uh, I've, I've tasted both of their wares. Matthew, I haven't tasted anything you've had, but I've tasted what they've made and it's good. Uh, I, I'm a, I'm a poor baker, okay? So because I don't know how to do the thing, it's very hard for me to be generous with it because it's so difficult. And so part of the generosity is going to come when I get better, right, at recognizing the fruit, right, and doing it. Same thing, it goes with not growing weary because a lot of times the weariness comes from not seeing results, right? Okay? The uh, middle table over here. Not neglecting doing good and sharing. What was y'all's question? Well, I mean, why do we forget? Uh, why, why, why do we neglect it? And I think that goes back to what the, like, how do we so occupy with our stuff? And so, how do we get less occupied with our stuff to, to be able to have the bandwidth to not forget? There's a, there's a big piece that talks about this in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 6, where it talks about this idea of, like, do we care that God is pleased? So, have you ever in your entire life, and I should ask my son this, have you ever thought that maybe the thing I should do today is please my father? <laughs> have you ever thought that, ever? Like, hey, I don't have anything to do today. But maybe I could think about what would please my father. Maybe that's the thing that I should do. Or that's the thing that I should, should aim at. Why, why, does that not, why does that not dawn on us? Or my mother? Or anyone else besides myself? <laughs> Anybody got an insight for us? Yep. And I think that selfishness is modeled all around us. And so this is one of the reasons why Jesus had to come. Because it wasn't God wasn't doing anything else, that he's been bringing life and order into creation since he made it. As he gave covenant with his people, as he's been sending prophets, as he has been sending good things, 
as he's been trying to make things, and over and over again, people just want to do whatever they want to do. And over and over, I am reminded, right, of what else I could be doing versus the thing that pleases God. And so this is the power of his community, that if his community will help each other kind of stay on task, we can become a community, right, that does good works and that models that. But until we can, like, do that with one another, right, this is what, like, and they will know that you're my disciples by how you love one another, how you bring life to one another, how you bring order, right, in that life, that this is a big piece. All right, and then finally, Romans 12, 21. What was y'all's question? Maybe my question that I would ask is, I'm constantly overcome by evil. Have I ever done anything about it? <laughs> okay. That's a great answer. That's an awesome answer. Right to the question of I'm constantly being overcome by evil, but yet I've never done anything differently that allows that to happen. Right? To be dependent on God in the midst of that evil. Right? To understand that this is not where I'm supposed to be, that I'm not some loser that's in a, a, a corner just being pummeled all day. Right? That, that the Christian life is not me managing God's disappointment. That he didn't come out of heaven and die on a cross, raise triumphantly and give us the Holy Spirit and his truth and all the power in the universe for us just to live these defeated, do-nothing lives. My challenge for you this week, if there's anything that's more encouraging to me, it'd be this uh, little section in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where Paul is trying to help the Corinthians understand what it means to be a worker for God. And he calls, Paul calls himself a wise architect of other men and their lives with God. Now we've thought and talked about how dramatic a statement is for Jesus to say, follow me as I follow Jesus. Right? That so many of us feel so inadequate to the task. I just, I don't feel like I know what I'm doing. I can't possibly lead somebody where I don't know I'm going. But Paul sets the bar higher even still. He says, I am a wise architect that knows how to build upon the foundation of Jesus in somebody's life to show them right, how to be workers like me. See, God wants to move us past life characterized by managing God's disappointment To be people, right, that can show others how to live and do what God's created us for. So let's, let's end with this last quote. Because God's work by his life, because God works by his life in us, the work we do is fruit. So here's the simplest way that we can understand this as it relates to this idea of life, right, that Jesus brings life. That when people are dead, he brings them back to life. And then when he brings them back to life, he needs to show them how to order their life according to God's life. Because you, the way I order my life is death. 
and despair and estrangement and struggle. I know this because I can look at all the people I was in a relationship with outside of Jesus and it was not helpful. (laughs) I was not bringing life. I was not bringing order. How about you? But because God works by his life in us, the work we do is fruit. So here is the key. That you need to, we need to start to open up our minds that, that God, to do the works that God wants us to do, right, to do, to build his kingdom that is about life and life ordered as he uh, has designed it to be, that he wants us to be involved. It's, he has ordained it not to happen outside of him using you. And so if we are not learning to work, it's not happening. He wants to work with us. You understand that? Because God works by his life in us. And if we do that, then whatever work we do is fruit. Whatever we do, right, through his life in us, right, brings life and it brings order. Every time. So as I'm counseling with somebody about what should I do with my life, as I'm bringing Jesus to bear, right, that I'm seeking to point them to Jesus who brings life and brings order. The Christian life is not about reading my Bible only, coming to church, right, avoiding terrible sins. It is about helping others, right, find life and order in Jesus. Because he is life and order. Questions or thoughts as we close there? I feel like I can do that. Do you? I feel like I can wrap my head around determining that the things that I'm doing, are they bringing life and order as Jesus would have them be into life. Thoughts or questions as we close. Is that helpful? Is that not helpful? Am I more, are you more confused? Are you less confused? Are you more encouraged? Are you less encouraged? Talk to me. I won't belabor it, but talk to me. Lindell. So, so, so I, I think that's a great response. So the idea is, but do I want to learn? Because I think if I'm okay with just what's happening right now, I don't want to learn. God's okay with you not knowing how to do it. What he's not okay with me is that I don't want to learn. He's not disappointed with me because of my lack of competency, but he wants me to recognize it and to learn. Let's pray. Father, we are tired people. But Father, I pray that our, as we look at what we have to show for our tiredness, are we happy with that?
And so, Lord, you ask us these questions because you love us and you want and you tell us that we have an eternal type of life, that you're trying to teach us life that will go on for eternity, that you're trying to give us reps in this life that, I won't, that I'm learning how to do that I won't have to stop in the next one. What a good question that you ask me. Are the things that I'm tired from, are they eternal things? Are the things that are making me weary, are they things that I'm proud of doing? Are the things that I'm giving effort to, does it matter to anybody else but myself? And so if our parents told us that, told, uh, told me that uh, to eight-year-old Rob, I would listen. That's a good question. But however old we are, we do not like to hear those type of questions because that makes us think about things that are hard. And so, Father, I pray this day that we would not be scared of you asking us good questions, but you would remind us as we put our head down and maybe our eyes well up with tears because we are not doing, that we are not pleased or proud of what is making us tired. Lord, that you grab our chin and that you pull it up to your face and you smile at us and you say, that's why I died. That's why I came to give you life so that you could be proud of the things that you do. That you could be excited about the fruit that you bear and that you could have a community who, did, who was there to teach you to do that. And so, Father, this day, I pray that we would fight for an understanding of what it means to be good for you and what it means to be good in general. It's not to be nice or to be pleasant, but it's to bring life and order into a world that has none of it. And so, Lord, would you, as your disciples, teach us how to follow you to bring life and order into our own lives? And would you show us how to bring life and order into others? We thank you for this opportunity to meet, and we thank you for your loving instruction. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.